When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Aaron Hogan, Rod Papers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Be hour two of our five-hour morning conversation. Appreciate you being there. Ever you're finding us, certainly on 1019, off the way of 1260. That porn app, man, is the way to go. So easy to use. Download with your smartphone. Touch of a button. You got us each and every morning, each and every day. All over the 512, all over the great state, and all over the world with that horn app. Send it to a friend. You know, you can push that little uh, share button, and you can send that off to all your buddies and all your friends. Hey, listen to Key and Rodby every morning. Good stuff. Talking Longhorns, talking uh, Steve Sarkeesian into the Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame. We're from Sark. Talking about uh, his performance in his game in 1997 as the gunslinging quarterback of the BYU Cougars. Congrats to Sark. Congrats to him. Awesome to be in any Hall of Fame. Also, he went went alongside uh, Steve Smith great receiver. Mm-hmm. Of course, played at Utah. He was at BYU. Sark was at, at uh, BYU. Steve Smith at Utah. Did you ever face Steve Smith when you were playing? Um, I, uh, I did. I, I, I think maybe like a preseason or something like that we played against. I think I did play against Steve Smith. That guy seems like a son of a gun to cover. Yeah. That no. guy was fast, physical. Yeah. He was, a, he was a total package. That was a good player. No, he was an awesome player. Yeah. Uh, he actually does good analyst work, too. Yes, he does. He's very, yeah. very candid. Yeah. And uh, makes good points. All yep. right. So, yeah, good stuff. Uh, he's the one that ends up, like, getting in scuffles on the field. Yeah. He <laughs> was, I forgot the – it was a wide receiver that he kind of got into it with uh, that <laughs> basically – and I think he ended up being right about him, but he basically criticized him. And on the field, the wide receiver was trying to, like, heckle him. Yes. During the broadcast. I forget the name of the wide receiver. You remember this? Oh, yeah. He was trying to heckle him or something because he didn't like the way Steve Smith had criticized him before that. And uh, Steve Smith it would not back down. No, trust me, man. He, he, not, he He's a little dude. He would not back down. He's tough as nails. He is tough yeah, as nails. that dude's tough, man. Uh, I'm trying to think. It was, it was a Raiders wide receiver, wasn't it? I can't remember the wide receiver, but I will, I will look it up here. But it, I, I remember it. Jerry I Judy. Video. Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy. Oh, Denver. It was Denver. Yes. Good job, Tom. Jerry Judy. And he was saying he's just a guy. You know, he's, he's not that good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's just a guy. Jerry Judy. He's a jag. I knew it was one of those uh, Alabama receivers. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. He, I think Steve Smith was probably right. I mean, not, nothing against him, but that's what the league is built on, just jags. You know, everybody can be a star and a superstar. And jag just means just a guy. He's just a guy. There's stars, and then there's just guys. Yeah, and then guys. you need a good mix of both. Just because you were a star in college don't mean you're going to be a star in the league. Nope. You could be a nobody in college and be a star in the league. It happens too. It's the league. <laughs> it's 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 uh, built that way. Speaking of just the guy that and and Jags, he this guy's not a Jag. But did you see the picture? This thing went viral yesterday with the hashtag Dad Bod. Did you see Patrick Mahomes in the locker room after the game with his shirt off and everyone? Did. So he he wow. does. He's he's not super physically imposing. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes. Oh, no. <laughs> I just you know why he did that, and you know what? Shame on you, Patrick, for doing that. He did it to humiliate. 
his opponents. He's like, look at what I look. Look at this body. <laughs> I, he did it to make everybody feel bad. He did to make everybody. Even Tom Brady probably feels a little bad now. This guy, the start to his career, the greatest start to a career in American pro uh, team sports, in the history of American pro sports. And this guy is basically, I mean, it's the worst. It's one of the worst dad bods I've ever seen. There's no definition. Like, none at all. He, he doesn't. It's not any definition, but he is an assassin out there on the football yes, field. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. An assassin. But I think he did it to make all of us feel bad. It's like, look at it. Yeah. This bod right here is going to end up potentially being the GOAT, and I am beating all of you guys. Look at your – all the Lamar Jackson looks like he was, he was put together <laughs> by the football gods to be a great yes, football player. Yes, yes, And Patrick Mahomes, no, he's kind of doughy. No yeah. definition. A little pooch. Yeah, a little pooch, but <laughs> it, on the field it works. He's slanging it. But Tom, but Tom Brady first came into the league, he looked like that too. I yeah, guess. Tom Brady actually got in better shape as he went. Met yeah. Alex Guerrero. And he's Benjamin Button. Yeah, he's going the other way. He looks younger. No oh, man, hundred percent. Like, Patrick Mahomes looks like he enjoys a good meal. <laughs> like he's eating good. He's got a little dad body, a little belly. And like I said, no He's not definition. doing CrossFit, that's for sure. He didn't have one pack. I don't think I saw – not a six-pack. I don't think I saw one. He didn't have even – not one ab Rod, muscle. Rod, I used to say when I, I covered you, you had the 12-pack at Texas. Oh, I had it. Man, I was working it. You had the 12 – I, I have the E-pack. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's got. I like it. Yeah, man. It's, it, like I said, I was, I was shocked. I, I, I knew he wasn't, like, you know, ripped up or anything, but I didn't expect to see that. That was jarring. Like, it was <laughs> – you. I had to stare at it for a while. I was like, no, that – that can't be somebody. No, that's like a, that's, somebody put that together. That's not real. That's like fake. That's like AI or something. Like, that's not real. No, that's real. There it is. There it is. Patrick he was, Mahomes. He was mocking himself on Twitter, too. He was like, y'all doing me dirty because people kept making jokes. But what, the joke's on us. Joke's on us. He's just that good. That dad bod is running the league right now. <laughs> he is. Yeah, no question about it. Back in another Super Bowl. Uh, I got, I'll find oh. – I, I have some audio on that, too. When uh, it, There's a great piece from NFL Films because they had a mic mic'd up for the game on Saturday or Sunday. And, you know, that, that right before that 25-yard throw to, Tim, to MVS to end the game, essentially, yeah. he was coming to the sidelines and looking at Andy Reid saying, give me the ball, give me the ball. Give me the ball, and you know, you, you know, you're sitting here at midfield essentially. And if you if you don't convert this first down, uh, you're giving the Ravens the ball in midfield with a chance to go tie the game. And it, you know, Andy Reid probably didn't think very long. Okay, All I'll right. give you the ball. Give you the ball. <laughs> well, Done. do not take the ball out of my hands. In this case, we're going to get a first down here, and we're going to take a knee. And essentially, exactly what happened. That's the Marvin. Is that before the Marvis? Uh, yeah, the MBS throw. Yeah. Wow. Give me the ball. And look, look at the throw. The throw, yeah. I mean, that was not a guarantee. The way the, route was the was, longest play of the day. It was, and, and the way he threw it up there on that rainbow shot, I was like, oh, he's got to be sure that his guy's going to run under it because he's putting enough air on it with a DB. A DB could make a good play on it. Nope. It was oh. a perfect spot. Perfect spot. <laughs> and just in the breadbasket. But uh, if you're a Chiefs fan, you're thinking, please catch it. Please catch it. Please catch it with their receivers this year. <laughs> yeah. No, the receivers are actually playing their best football in yeah, the season. Yeah, they are. They're coming together. They, 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 benched, or they benched him. They said he was hurt, but he was actually. You know, oh, Kadarius Tony. Yeah, yeah. Kadarius Tony went on Instagram to say that he wasn't injured. Yeah. He, he, they, they, tried, they tried to let you save face <laughs> by essentially implying that you had an injury of some sort, and that's why they didn't have you on the active roster. And then he went on Instagram and was like, I'm not hurt. He was like, dude, you, you just made yourself look worse. You're, you're not helping yourself. They're trying to help you They're out. They're giving you cover They're for not being active in the playoff game. And now he's like, nah, nah, actually, they didn't want to play me. Like, we all understand. 
We know why they didn't want to play you, Kadarius Tony. <laughs> we get it. Too much. We agree with their decision. Hey, let's get to the top stories. Rod's got to rant this hour. We'll play some bullish or BS as well before the end of our second hour. But right now, the top news. Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories. Yeah, it starts with college football postseason all-star game week with both the East-West Shrine Bowl and the Reese's Senior Bowl taking place. After a week of workouts, the East-West Shrine Bowl game is tonight, 7 o'clock up at the Star Complex in Frisco. It does include three former Longhorns. Running back Jonathan Brooks is there. He's obviously injured, not going to play, but he's in attendance and on the roster. While tight end Jatavion Sanders and defensive back Ryan Watts are set to play for the West squad. Yesterday in Frisco, Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian was inducted into the East-West Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame alongside former Utah wide receiver Steve Smith. As we mentioned, Sark played in that Shrine Bowl back in 1997. It is also Senior Bowl week in Mobile. Top draft picks, uh, draft prospects from around the country competing and showcasing their talent and uh, connecting with coaches and decision makers from all 32 NFL teams. Eight now former uh, eight Longhorns were originally invited to participate, uh, but only a couple have shown up because of injury and a couple came back to Texas. Only offensive lineman Christian Jones, defensive lineman Tavondre Sweat are there. Uh, Jones measured in 6'5", 318, impressed with a wingspan of 84 inches, and he's been working to both guard and tackle and so far been really impressive in, in his week of practice. Uh, Tavondre Sweat elected not to participate in the weigh-in part of it, but he is dominating on the field. The 2023 Outland Trophy winner has been his usual dominant itself a rare combination of size quickness and power senior bowl game itself is 11 a.m saturday both games are broadcast on nfl network NFL head coaching news. It's official. Seattle Seahawks are going from having the oldest head coach in the NFL to the youngest. They parted ways with Pete Carroll, of course, earlier this month. Seahawks yesterday hired Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator Mike McDonald, 36-year-old, inked a new six-year deal this past season as Ravens became the first unit ever to lead the NFL in points allowed, sacks, and takeaways in the same campaign. His hiring leaves just one head coaching vacancy still open. That's in Washington. Current Dallas Cowboys defense coordinator Dan Quinn completed a second interview with the commanders yesterday. He is seen as possibly the frontrunner for that job. Bit of a surprise hire in Green Bay. Yesterday, with the word, the Packers have named Boston College head coach Jeff Hapley as their new defensive coordinator. Hapley has spent the last four seasons at the helm of Boston College, posted a 7-6 and six record this past season. And in college hoops, big game tonight for the 12th-ranked Texas women. They travel to Waco. Big 12 showdown with 13th-ranked Baylor. Games at 7.30 will be broadcast on ESPN. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. Yeah, obviously this is uh, potentially going to have an effect on the Cowboys if the Washington Commanders end up hiring Dan Quinn. And uh, I really want to see where the Cowboys go. If they go in-house, which they do a lot of the time, or if they have an outside hire like a Ron Rivera they bring in or someone else. It's going to show you a lot about if the Cowboys have been doing their research. Yep. Yeah. Which you assume that they have. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, in-house would be more the norm for the Cowboys. It would uh, be. Uh, would be yeah. kind of their way. Uh, same time, you know, if they do go outside the organization, you know, because it's already February the 1st, a lot of the top names have already yes. landed. Um, including Vic Fangio, who's right there in Philadelphia now. Yep. Uh, the, the fact that this has taken all the way into the second month is it would be, you know, it limits who you can go go get right now, uh, as far as the Cowboys go. But uh, Dan Quinn, every, everywhere, everything I'm seeing this morning, um, projects him as the leading candidate for that job. Anthony Weaver uh, interviewed and Aaron Glenn, the Detroit Lions defensive coordinator, former Texas A&M uh, star. Uh, they have also interviewed their scene as the three finalists. We'll see if they make the call today. Um, yeah, and I, I know the, uh, there's been talk about Ron Rivera being one of the top candidates they could bring in. There's always, you know, I don't know. I, I think 
whether a coach is going to take a demotion like that or a downgrade like that is always a concern. Ron Rivera, who's been a head coach for a long time, hadn't been a defensive coordinator since help. When I was playing, when he, he was defensive coordinator of the Bears back when I played uh, for the Bears, I, I don't know if he'll take that. Some, some coaches don't want to take the a coordinator job after being a head coach. If that's the case, go after Vrabel. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a you lot of Washington mean, like, fans I've seen saying, why not Mike Vrabel? Um, you know, yeah, the Vrabel, I mean, we, we talked well, about – We're talking about for the Cowboys. Oh, like, for the Cowboys. To get, a, to get oh. a, a, a former head coach to become a D.C. I get you. I get like, you. sometimes well, they, I'm just they saying that's that, an insult to them. But, you know, to your point, I agree with that, by the way. There are a lot of folks I'm saying, well, that why not Vrabel uh, yeah, if you're going to go great idea. Dan Quinn? Uh, yeah, why not? Actually, yeah, why not? Uh, Fair question. Uh, is it because now it, the, the word is out that Vrabel wants more control? Yeah. That Vrabel might want to pick his – you know, pick his general manager and that he might want to have personnel say and all that kind of stuff, final say. Well, and then that I think that would speak to what you just said, that, um, you know, the last two general managers in Tennessee has gotten crossed with. Yes. Including the first one he came with him. Yeah. And then they brought in Rand Cawthorn from the uh, San Francisco 49ers. They couldn't see eye to eye. And that's why the owners, um, you know, Amy Adams, Trunk, uh, strunk in uh, in Tennessee decided to move on from Vrabel. Was looking, I need you to get along with one of these people. I can't have all this uh, yeah. acrimony in my front office here. Uh, and maybe that's we talked about with Belichick too. That Belichick wants to report just to the owner and not have you know mm-hmm. um, people between them. And uh, you know you know you know how you, the the coaching circles are pretty tight and people yes, people talk and yep. uh, word gets out and I don't know because it did, it did seem like Vrabel would be an easy one and now the, uh, no. the the eighth and final availability is there and he's not even one of the finalists. Doesn't seem like it at all. And then looking like Dan Quinn and then the Cowboys left to make a move. Uh, Chris Richard is another name. Uh, if Cowboy fans remember, he was their former secondary coach. He's in, in, with the Raiders. That would be a name to watch too for the Dallas Cowboys, which wouldn't be would be from outside the organization, but he's used to be there. Yeah, that's a good point. And my first, I mean, we're talking about defensive coaches getting these jobs potentially. My my, my my first question always is, who's your offensive coordinator? Like, do you have a plan for the offense as a defensive coordinator getting a head coaching job? And that's why a lot of the NFL, because that question is already answered when you bring in an offensive coordinator who becomes a head coach or a quarterback guy who becomes a head coach because they become quarterback-centric. you got to have a plan there. And for Dan Quinn, that would be the question. Who's Dan Quinn going to bring in as his OC there? Um, that would be, I think, for the Washington team, the organization, number one concern. Because yeah, we got quarterback development is going to be a big part of what this reinvention of this organization. Who you got? Who's who's gonna be your season? You going to Cliff Kingsbury route? You going to you know? I don't know. Ooh, Cliff Kingsbury's interesting. He's still out there. Remember, he got hot for a while, and then the, the buzz died. Remember yeah. for a while, like a, for a week, he was that like, is inter- he was inter- he was interviewing with everybody, and I was like, nah. Yeah, there there were reports from even like the Shefters of the world. There was gonna be a bidding war for him. Yeah. And well, it maybe it is Washington. That would be interesting. Dan Quinn. Remember, it was Dan Quinn in Atlanta with your guy Kyle Shanahan that yeah. uh, took that team to the Super Bowl. Uh, was a good, he picked a good uh, staff then. Remember, he had a good staff. He really did. Raheem Morris. And that would be one of his strengths is I can build and identify really good coaches because obviously Washington with a new ownership group is trying to go in a different direction, uh, kind of win their fans back, Mm -hmm. and they have the second pick. So they're going to take a quarterback. So whoever Dan Quinn brings in, that's a very, very important hire. Picked Sark? 
Pick Sark, you're right about right? that. Like he's, he, yeah. he has a good – I'm just saying he's got a good track record, though, when that he does pick out an offense. It, he picked Sark and Shanahan. That's pretty damn good. Uh, pretty damn good. Speaking of Sark, we'll hear from Coach Sark coming up at the bottom of the hour, uh, talking about his induction into the Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame and uh, uh, what he thought back then he would be doing and what he's doing now. Also some reflection from Sark on uh, – Two of his great mentors, both uh, out of coaching now, Pete Carroll and Nick Saban. Uh, first time we've heard from Sark talking about those two situations. That'll be coming up. But right now, it's time for Rod's first rant of a Thursday. Rod's rant of the day is brought to you by Apple Leasing, the easiest and safest way to get a new car. Any make, any model. Click AppleLeasing.com and experience how easy it is. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. Right. My God! Okay, it's happening. Everybody, stay calm. What's oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's rant of the day. Hold on to your butts. Just looking at the staff um, that Dan Quinn put together. Like I said, he hired Kyle Shanahan, hired Steve Sarkeesian as his head coaches. I uh, sorry, his offensive coordinators when he was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. And then, man, Shano just brought all the great <laughs> uh, Mick Shanahan coaches with him. So essentially on that staff, you ended up with Matt LaFleur <laughs> as your quarterback's coach. Uh, Mike LaFleur was an offensive assistant. Mike McDaniel was an offensive assistant uh, with that group too. And, you know, essentially the, the Mick Shanahan coaches. But he also had Raheem Morris with him. He had Raheem Morris on his staff there as well as an assistant head coach and a pass game coordinator. Remember, he becomes the interim after uh, Dan, after Dan Quinn is, I believe, fired. And he becomes one of the interim coaches there in Atlanta. So uh, he actually has built really good staffs. And like I said, even when uh, my man Channel left, he ended up picking up Steve Sarkeesian. And Steve Sarkeesian is a really good offensive mind, which means he had Kyle Flood on that staff as a uh, offensive line coach because that's who Steve Sarkeesian brought with him. So no, no reason to really doubt that Dan Quinn is progressive and very modern in his uh, selection of offensive coaches. Those are two of the most uh, modern offensive minds in the game. Okay, let's get to the Mike McDonald hire at Seattle. I think it's interesting. And then we'll talk about this uh, Jeff Halfley move, Jeff Halfley becoming the defensive coordinator with the Green Bay Packers, the Boston College, former Boston College head coach. So the reason Mike McDonald gets the job with the Seattle Seahawks um, ahead of Dan Quinn and some other guys is simply the buzz around the league is what Mike McDonald has done um, with or against defending those McShanahan offenses I just talked about. As a matter of fact, uh, Ty, I sent you in your DM, I sent you a really good piece of sound from Ian Rappaport talking about Mike McDonald. Please uh, get that up, for, uh, get that queued up for us, please, if you don't mind. Um, because it's really interesting right now. He is, he, there's a term being thrown about. They say description being thrown about, about Mike McDonald and how he has uh, impressed in the interviews that he's had so far around the league. And as he just said, these these teams talk, <laughs> all right. They they talk and they whisper and gossip behind the scenes. And some of the gossip about uh, Mike McDonald has been really good for him. Um, so we'll talk about that now. We'll hear from Ian Rappaport, but just really quickly, uh, Mike McDonald. So he's been a defensive coordinator for two years. Spent 
uh, time at Georgia uh, early on in his coaching career. Uh, this is before Kirby Smart even got there, I believe, at Georgia. And then he ends up uh, go- going to the NFL with the Baltimore Ravens as an assistant and then becomes a, a linebacker coach at one point, becomes a secondary coach at one point. He's coached the back seven, DBs and, L- and linebackers, which is why his uh, exotic looks and pressure packages are so groundbreaking in the NFL. Uh, but he uh, has been a defensive coordinator twice. Remember, he was the defensive coordinator at Michigan for a while and then became the defensive coordinator at, 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 at Baltimore the last two years. So I'm not going back to his time in Michigan. I'm just looking at his, his time as a defensive coordinator with the Baltimore Ravens the last two years. And what he's done against the most popular and arguably the most prominent uh, offense in the NFL right now, which is the McShanahan coaching tree. Right? You gotta, he got, he's got to face it twice. He's got to face actually the uh, Shadow. He's got to face Kyle Shanahan twice a year in that division, and he's also got to face Sean McVay. Those are arguably the two. That's where the coaching tree pretty much starts between Shano and then Sean McVay, and then from then it just you know prolifer- it proliferates all across the league in some way, form, or fashion. So I looked at every offense that Mike McDonald has got a chance to uh, uh, call plays against as a defensive coordinator at Baltimore that has any connection to the Shanahan tree from the play-calling perspective as a head coach, as an offensive coordinator, any connection at all. Guy who was uh, a, a quarterback coach or an assistant coach with the Rams, with Sean McVay, he was an assistant with Shano. So anytime somebody's coming off of that tree and it end up uh, being head coach or end up running that same offense or at least philosophically, conceptually, the same offense elsewhere. So in the two years, there have been 12 examples that I found. That's a lot, actually. <laughs> Just let you know how often you're going to see the offense. I mean, it, he's coaching in the AFC, and he's facing a McShanahan offense 12 times in two years. Imagine in that damn division how many times you're going to see it when you, two of your coaches running. Half the damn division runs it. Um, so the average uh, points per game in those 12 games, 21. Holding them to an average of 21 points per game, which is pretty damn good. Um, and I even threw in, how about this? I actually threw in Detroit and Kansas City's offense just for, you know, just for gets and shiggles. All right, just threw that in there because that's not a McShannon offense, but two of the most prolific offenses in the league. If you throw those two offenses in there, his defenses are holding those McShanahan offenses and Andy Reid and Ben Johnson's offense, two of the most uh, prolific offenses in the league, to 19.7 points per game on average in the last two years. That's pretty damn good. That is pretty damn good, man. <laughs> like though, and this year, uh, you saw the better performances. It seems like he adjusted even better against those high octane offenses. Detroit only scored six offensive points, six points. Kansas City, Hill uh, Kansas City, seventeen, and scored two touchdowns on the first two drives of the game, and after that, only three points. Um, held Bobby Slowick and Houston's offense to just ten points. Um, Miami. Uh, 19, San Francisco 19. I mean, it is like I said that it that's it's working. Uh, it's it's working really well, and I think that was the number one determining factor in Mike McDonald getting that job, and why they were willing to wait for him. Uh, all right, uh, Todd, do you have the uh, sound of Ian? I believe it's Ian Rappaport on NFL Network. He's talking about Mike McDonald here. Um, if you have that queued up, and here is uh, I just love the descriptive term and how he describes Mike McDonald. Here it is. 
Yeah, and, and the Mike McDonald one is fascinating to me because, first of all, I've talked to a couple teams who interviewed him. It sounds like he has been really dynamic in some of these interviews. I had one uh, person involved with one of the head coach searches who said this was the best interview we had by far. He is young. He is bright. Sort of the defensive Sean McVay is how he was described to me. And the fact that Seattle was willing to wait until after the Super Bowl to talk to him gives me Shane Steichen vibes. That makes me think he is a really, really strong candidate in, in Seattle. We will see where it goes today, but certainly that is one to watch. There you go. Um, the, the defense of Sean McVay. Wow, that's a high praise. That is extremely high praise. They're talking about him just being ext- off the charts in terms of his football acumen and football IQ. Well, and Shane Steichen, of course, is now the coach of the Colts and nearly had the Colts in the playoffs with a backup quarterback this year. And uh, we saw how how precipitous the fall off in Philadelphia was without Shane Steichen as the offensive coordinator. Exactly. Uh, they went from the Super Bowl to one of the one of the <laughs> at least for the last month of the year one of the worst offenses in pro football. Yeah. Uh, Shane Steichen, uh, same kind of you know, impact. And uh, Nick Sirianni still looking to replace him and brings in Kellen Moore now. That's exactly right. So it's uh, – Mike McDonald, that's – I mean, that's why the NFL is in love with him right now, and he's been such a fast riser. Uh, the other story that I think is – and it's still related to being a coordinator in the league, but the Boston College – former Boston College head coach Jeff Halfley um, becoming the new defensive coordinator for the Packers. I've been telling you guys for a while that a lot of the coaches that I know at the college and the pro level are starting to feel a certain kind of way about the new landscape and climate of college sports, NIL, transfer portal. Uh, it's just becoming a tougher job overall. You don't have a, an, an off season. Really, you don't have any downtime as a college coach anymore. Nick Saban hinted at it, uh, that him getting older and the new, uh, the new responsibilities and burdens of a college coach may be a little bit too, too much for him. Deion Sanders remarked about it. Eli Drinkowitz. Uh, well, here are some reports. Albert Breer, this is what he said about the Jeff Halfley move. So the Packers are hiring Boston College uh, coach Jeff Halfley to be their new defensive coordinator. Um, he went on to say the reality is the lifestyle of college coaches because of the transfer portal NIL and the climate in recruiting has made it so more guys are willing to make the sacrifices to get to the NFL. I don't think Halfley will be the last major college head coach we see do this. Um, Pete Thamel said half these reasons for taking the coordinator job are rooted in both the overall state of college football and the opportunity to work for one of the NFL's most respected franchises. Um, he wants to go coach football again in a league that is all about football. That's uh, what a source for ESPN said. College coaching has become fundraising, NIL, and recruiting your own team and transfers. There's no time to coach football anymore. Matt Miller, NFL Draft Scout, talked to a college coach this week who told me life in the NFL is so much better than college now. We're all trying to get to the league. Uh, so, you know, it, it, it's something that I've been telling you guys for the last, I don't know, three months or so that the NFL coaches, or at least the college coaches, are now a lot more open to going to the NFL because it's just an easier job. It's a better job, actually. A lot, a lot of coaches think quality of life-wise. It's a better overall job because you don't have the burden of recruiting, not only recruiting organically at old school recruiting uh, high school prospects, but now you got to recruit transfers. And now you got to re-recruit your own kids because they can go to the transfer portal. And then you got NIL. It's just a lot on these coaches. And I think, um, like I said, Jeff Halfley is going to be one of a, a few more coaches we'll see make this leap. Well, and we've all agreed that, uh, you know, Changes need made in college football, but you're not getting rid of the transfer portal. No, that's uh, interesting. And the NCAA has lost all their court battles, so you know they're 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 very uh, impotent when it comes to enforcing their own rules. Uh, so it's going to take the powers that be of college football getting together and agreeing 
to some type of body that uh, entity that uh, controls and, and puts parameters on things that they can all agree to, because mm-hmm. uh, it really does. And we all, you know, we, we I'm all for for player freedom and, and movement and those kind of things, uh, but there does have to be some some stipulations to it, as Nick Saban has said. You know, what, what we make a level of commitment to you. What's your level of commitment to us? There has to be an agreement on that per, that basic thing. I think it was too rigid in the past with the coaches and the programs holding all the cards yep. when it came time to for some player movement. Now it's swung back the other way. Too and relaxed. That, too relaxed. <laughs> too relaxed. And there has to be some, some, some common ground there. I would 100% agree with that. But, again, it's going to take an entity who oversees that. Yep. And these, the, now that, that's why I say 2024 could be a very important year for that because now we're, we've been, it's the consolidation actually happens and uh, the Power Four conferences come into effect. And uh, the, those Power Four conferences and the leaders of those conferences can get together and, and really try to take some action towards that we'll see if it does uh come forward so uh we'll see we're also on the nil side we know that the federal government is looking into uh, yes, a, a nationwide rule for nil so it's not state by state so those things both could happen in 2024 all right good stuff right there with rods rants and uh, mike mcdonald a really good coach only the uh, washington commander's job is still open and dan quinn maybe approaching uh, getting offered that gig today we'll see somebody said bill belichick for dallas defensive coordinator what theater that would be so said, would he do it would they take with that big mac emotion? Would they do it? Would, would Bill Belichick do it? I don't know. If the Ray, coat? I don't know if Rabel or Belichick would do it. Ron Rivera might do it. The only thing I would say about Belichick, since he didn't get a head coaching job, his choices are TV or coach the Cowboys defense uh, at this point. And that, you know, he's a, he's a ball coach. He is a ball coach. He's a ball coach at the end of the day. Uh, but I think that's kind of a pipe dream. But that would be really, really interesting. That'd be awesome. <laughs> you, you know, I would love it. Oh, man, what a, what a piece of conversation that would be. I would uh, buy back in if, if that was the case. If, if he would come in okay. and be the – look, Jer- Jerry Jones has done it before when he essentially had Jason Garrett and Wade Phillips one coaching the offense, one coaching the defense. and um, Make him uh, an offer he can't refuse, Jerry. Ain't no salary cap on, on coaching salaries. You can make him. You can make him, He can make more money than Mike McCarthy. Yeah. You can put him in there and say, listen, I'll, pay, I'll make you the highest paid coach in the league, period. Yeah. And would he do that? I don't know if that's worth it. <laughs> what a story. <laughs> no. Uh-huh. When you got a lame duck coach, you already in <laughs> Drama. That would, be be something that would make Jerry's comments this, earlier this week make more sense about him yeah, talking about him. Show, yeah. Oh, man. And, and the Cowboys are about show, man. They are a show. They're they all about putting on a show. Yeah. And then, and then, selling hope. Selling hope and putting on a show. That would make them the number one topic in probably oh. in, in sports right now, honestly. Come on. <laughs> uh, all right. We'll come back. When we do, we'll hear from Sark, as we mentioned, uh, up there in Frisco yesterday, being enshrined in the Shrine uh, East-West Shrine Game Hall of Fame. Uh, we haven't heard from Sark in a while. A little, little sound from the Texas head coach on a couple of topics. We'll also get some bullish or BS for the end of the hour. It's fun Thursday. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Welcome to February. That's right. February 1st is here. Looking forward to a lot here. Black History Month, Rod. Black History Month. Oh, yeah. Beautiful thing. And an extra day of Black History Month with uh, the leap year in 2024. Uh, Coming up for the top of the hour, we'll play some bullish or BS here on Hook'em Up with the Rod B. Some topics that we're very bullish on or calling BS, including uh, that conversation at the end of our last segment with Bill Belichick. 
take the defensive coordinator job in Dallas. How much BS is that? Or is there some meat on that bone with uh, Dan Quinn possibly, and some would say likely, to be offered the uh, Washington Commanders head coaching job today? He is one of three finalists. Had an interview yesterday, and so the Cowboys would obviously need a defensive coordinator. Jerry Jones was on record on Tuesday saying he absolutely could work with Bill Belichick or obviously putting pressure on Mike McCarthy, who's going into the final year of his contract uh, with no extension. So, yeah, that would be the uh, the theater of all theater if that could happen. But uh, uh, we'll see and certainly talk about it as it happens. Uh, but as it happened yesterday up in uh, Frisco, Texas, that's where the Cowboys practice, right? That's their practice facility. Uh, Jerry Jones owns pretty much everything in Frisco, I believe, <laughs> yeah, at so last so. check. Uh, if, you've ever, if you've ever been up to the Star Complex for any event or just been up there, <laughs> I mean, it's a huge complex built around their practice facility with shopping center and restaurants and bars and, you know, all kinds of stuff, big hotels. And I'm pretty sure Jerry owns all that land. Pretty sure. Yeah, no, you're probably right about that. Because it didn't exist yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. I mean, and, was, nothing was there. And there's always something going on there, too. It's always. Like, I mean, he's always got some – it's always some – High school football. High school football, some sports uh, oh, yeah. dynamic there. Some oh, it's a – Championship games it's being a cash cow. There. Yeah. It's a cash cow. Uh, right there north of uh, north of Dallas in Frisco, Texas. Uh, but here was Steve uh, Sarkeesian this week that's hosting the East-West Shrine Bowl. Uh, and they had their week of practices starting, uh, I think, on Sunday. And now they're going to play the game tonight. Uh, so you'll be able to see that star complex on uh, NFL Network this evening at 7 o'clock. Uh, back in 1997, Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian was a quarterback at BYU. And he played in the Shrine Bowl, not at the star complex because it didn't exist. <laughs> I don't even know where they played that in 1997. Uh, but yesterday, he and Steve Smith were enshrined as in, into the Hall of Fame for the East-West Shrine game. Here was Sark uh, afterwards talking about the honor and uh, how something like this, how, how live has – Life has different paths based on what maybe you thought it was going to be and where you end up. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Anybody's path always is exactly what they thought it was going to be. Um, and at that time, I wanted to be a Joe Montana, you know, quite frankly. That, that was my idol. That's who I wanted to be. Uh, and in the end, I'm, I'm trying to be like Mac Brown and Daryl Royal, you know. So you never know the journey that you get on. Uh, but I do think these experiences uh, sh- help shape me to be the head coach that that, uh, that I am today. And so I'm very appreciative of the opportunities that I got through, through college, post-college, by some of the coaches that hired me along the way because they helped shape kind of how we go about our business today and my relationship with our players that we have today. All right, so there he is. He, he wanted to be Joe Montana, and now he's chasing yeah. Mac Brown and Daryl Royal. Right? Yeah, exactly. You never know. I, I, trust me, I feel if I wanted to be Deion Sanders, it didn't work out that way. But, no, he, he looked good in the game, though. I mean, I watched I watched some clips of it. Yeah, yeah he could sling it, man. He could sling it, man. I ain't going to lie. I did not know Playing that uh, Lavelle Edwards, Norm Chow. <laughs> I mean, that was one of the uh, first I – mean, that was kind of a precursor to the air raid. Yeah, it was like a vert- – and it was a, kind of a vert- vertical passing game, too. They wanted to stretch the field vertical. That's why he was a big fan of Dunn Coriel. He knew all about that, that Coriel offense. I mean, Sark likes the deep ball, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. <laughs> exactly right. Also from Sark yesterday, and again, uh, pardon the crowd noise because they're indoors and there's a lot going on, but uh, he was asked about, and this is the first time we've heard from Sark since 
Pete Carroll was uh, you know, let go in Seattle, and Nick Saban uh, retired. Of course, two of his all-time mentors, he reflected on that, uh, that yesterday. Some reflection there. Um, because without those two men, I wouldn't be here today as the head coach of the University of Texas. Um, so I'm, I'm very grateful, thankful, humbled, honored. Um, all of those things, I've spoke to them both that day. Um, and I was celebrating them. I was congratulating them, quite frankly, on just a tremendous career that both of them have had, the impact that they've had on our game, uh, not only uh, at the collegiate level, but, but at the professional level. Uh, in my opinion, you know, there, there's been, in our, my era of coaching, there's been three um, of the greatest coaches of all time. And they're two of the three when you look at Nick Saban, Pete Carroll, and Bill Belichick and what they've able, been able to accomplish. And I got to work for two of them, and they got two of them got to be mentors for me. So hopefully I can uh, I can lean into some of the wisdom that they gave me and, and find myself uh, winning a few more games because of that experience. Do they have anything to All right, there you go. Sark, yesterday in Frisco, Texas. Uh, good stuff there on uh, two of his, his mentors. And, you know, if you're a Longhorn fan, and he can, uh, you know, mm-hmm. take any of that track with the Longhorns. Oh, he yeah. chases uh, Daryl Royal and Mac Brown. And does feel like he's got the Longhorns in a good position to uh, transition into the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, no, I think he's got them in a great position. And when there's so much, right, change, it almost feels like there's a power vacuum in the SEC with Nick Saban gone. And that, that's not true because you still got Georgia there, and Georgia's a really good program, and LSU with Brian Kelly. Uh, but Brian, you know, Brian Kelly, LSU just lost the Heisman Trophy winner, just lost, you know, two receivers that are going to be taken. First, second round wide receivers, you know, Alabama losing Nick Saban. So that's a new regime there, a new, uh, you know, just a new coach period. It feels like there's a new culture of the SEC because of it. And I feel like, you know, Sark's in a prime position, returning the quarterback, returning four of your five offensive linemen, returning all your coordinators. I feel like that continuity is going to be huge for Texas considering how much change there has been all across the landscape of not only college but with the, the big powers and but also with the SEC in general. I mean, Michigan, too. They got to play Michigan. And new head coach, new coordinators. You know, no, they're going to have like 15 players drafted. So they'll be. Yeah, like a new, lot of new starters. Yeah, it's just, it feels like Texas has continuity when a lot of the college football does not. For well, the first and time I ever. think if. But you, Georgia does. Georgia does. 100%. Georgia well, does. if you go back to when. Texas was announced that they were going to the SEC. The conference was, man, they're not ready. This program is not ready for that. Uh, so it's real credit to Sark that here we are. And, and you know, you can't control what happens around you. But, you know, your main recruiting rivals, I mean, A&M's in a, in a complete transition. Yes. Oklahoma's in year two with Brett Venables, and oh, he's man. still trying to get footing. And Oklahoma's going to enter the Southeastern Conference with a new quarterback and no returning offensive line. And new coordinators. And new coordinators. New on, OC and new DC. On both sides of the ball. <laughs> uh, which, again, that can go. That's scary, man. That's, that's, if, you're, if you're in Oklahoma, you're a little, little concerned about that. Uh, and obviously with Nick Saban's departure, that program now in transition, which has dominated the league. George is the most stable program, without a doubt. And Kirby Smart anchors the, the best program in the SEC right now. Uh, Lane Kiffin has Ole Miss in a real good place. Yeah, he does. They uh, did great in the transfer portal. Un- 100%, including a couple from A&M. Also, the, uh, you know, Missouri with Eli Drinkwitz is, is in, in good place right now. But, yeah, that conference, this is when you want to be coming into that conference. Uh, because in addition to what's going on at A&M, Arkansas is a bit of a mess with Sam Pittman right now. He's kind of in a, in a prove-it year uh, for the Razorbacks. Uh, you play Florida this year with Billy Napier. Billy Napier is in big trouble in yeah. Gainesville. Yeah, um, might not make it through the season. I mean, and his schedule is brutal. Brutal. 
Uh, you play Mississippi State this year. That's going to be a first-year yeah. head coach. And you got a favorable schedule, too. You talk about the turnover. We talk about turnover, but the, the schedule. Yeah. Uh, again, it, as I've said to anybody, go, go look at Texas's first-year schedule in the SEC and then go look at Oklahoma's. Uh, which one would you rather have? You would much rather have Texas's because uh, seven home games this year for the Longhorns. Your road trips are to Fayetteville, where Sam Pittman's in trouble. A and M, where Mike Elko's in his first year. You're playing Oklahoma in Dallas. Oklahoma's got a lot of home games. You too. play it's at Vanderbilt. Tough. It's tough for home games. You play at but... Vanderbilt. Yeah. Uh, and then of course the trip to Michigan, which now the Michigan game, much like Alabama last year, is that seems not as formidable. It's going to be a great great test and a great challenge and a lot of good players, but it's a new head coach who's going to have a new defensive coordinator, new QB, new QB bunch of new players, um, transition year, and you're going in with – That head coach, is he going to call his own plays now as a head Sean, coach? That's yeah. tough for a first-time head coach to be calling the plays too because yeah. he's, he's the coordinator, right? Didn't yeah. he call the plays to run more? He did. That's he a, did. A so, yeah, change. a lot of change. A lot of change. And that's, you know, you got to go win. But the Longhorns are coming off a trip to the Final Four and the Big 12 championship. And uh, Sark with a lot of continuity on his coaching staff and comes back with his starting quarterback, four of his five offensive linemen, and has attacked the weaknesses in the, 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 uh, the, 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 the holes with, with portal acquisitions yes, at wide receiver, tight end, and on the defensive side of the ball, yeah. 100%. So, yeah, looking forward to it. And I think we're counting down the days to football season already. I, on the, think, uh, I think so. Or we're counting down the days to spring practice. You know, that's yeah, going to be coming you know, up in about five weeks. That's the next weeks. thing on the calendar. Yeah, right five weeks. Uh, all right, good stuff right there with Sark. Congratulations mm-hmm. to him. And that game is tonight if you want to watch Jatavion Sanders. be interesting to see him, uh, you know, what, what his future looks like in the National Football League. He puts on a, a show tonight in the East-West Shrine game. Also, Ryan Watts. Ryan Watts will play. Playing yeah. safety. Yeah, clean safety up there. It's like, Ryan Watts, we told you, man. <laughs> play some safety. We told you, go play some safety. Play some safety at Texas. Huh? I don't know if that was him not wanting to do it or reluctant to do it or the coaches not wanting him to do it. But, yeah, he, they should have had some reps with him playing safety at Texas. Yeah, uh, agreed. Agreed yeah. 100%. Uh, and there was talk that maybe he would come back for another year at Texas and play some safety. Uh, yeah. But that obviously that but didn't where, happen. But where would he play now? Because now those reps would be divided, right? Because yeah. he would have Derek, Derek Williams, Williams and Makuba coming in. Jade Barron coming back. Yeah. All right, we come back when we do. It's a bullish or BS, including some of the uh, NFL topics of the day. Also, the other bullish and BS t- uh, conversations on this Thursday morning. It's Hook 'em Up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan. Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Thursday on The Horn, bullish or BS time, including the uh, conversation. If Dan Quinn takes the Washington Commander's job, as uh, many expect today, if he is the indeed the, the, the choice of the new ownership group in Washington, mm-hmm. Cowboys need a defensive coordinator. Yep, yep. Is there any chance... Bill Belichick would be interested in that position. Any chance, Rod Babers? No chance in hell. <laughs> I would agree with you. Just no chance. This is such a fun conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. all it's, based on on Jerry Jones's comments this week. Yeah. Bill Belichick doesn't have a job. I mean, yeah, it's a dream scenario, of course, but I just don't see it happening. See, he wants listen. Bill Belichick wants that all time wins record, and he can't get it as a DC. Just that simple. It would almost be embarrassing for him to be asked. It would, and, I, and then when you become a DC, there's no guarantee you're going to get your head coaching. You'll get a head coaching uh, option again. You know what I mean? You may, not, you may not get those head coaching interviews like you think. I mean, Bill Belichick got one. He got one, E. He got one team to interview him. And they decided, nah, we're good. That is. After the interview, they were like, nah, we're good. Yeah, there are eight jobs open and one <laughs> interviewed him. One interview. And we thought, oh, Belichick's available. He's definitely going to get a few interviews. Got one. And you said it. it, it listen, those owners talk a lot. 
There's yes, a lot of do. gossiping behind the scenes. Well, they have a step owners meetings in yeah, the winter billion, and spring. It's a, it's, it's a billionaires club, right? There ain't a lot of them, and this is one of the talk about super yachts and yeah, other things. Exactly. <laughs> we nobody we can't relate. They they they're only a few billionaires, and they relate to each other on a way that we they can't relate to us gen pop people. So they share a lot of information, and I think they've shared information about Belichick for years. Actually, think about it. he's been around for a while, for years, and I think now it's working against him. All that intel. That they know about Belichick and the way he operates, the clandestine fashion. <laughs> yeah, know, the- for, for sure. Well, that, that, that you know, like actions speak louder than any words any of them would say. The fact that seven of them had openings and didn't even interview the guy. I don't want to talk to him. We good would tell you all you need to know. Yeah. There was the point where I'm assuming it was his agent put out the story that, oh, no, there's, there's interest from multiple teams. Not really. <laughs> yeah, that was because wrong. his agent wanted there to be interest from multiple teams uh, when there was just the Atlanta Falcons. And in Atlanta, Arthur Blank, the billionaire owner, wanted him. But, you know, Rich McKay and Terry Fontenot, the GM, didn't. They advised them, go hire Raheem Morris. Let's, let's bring in a, a you know, rising coach. Because, again, I mean, I think that in addition to his clandestine ways and he's, he only wants to answer to the owner and he wants power, Bill Belichick also is he in it for the long haul. He's in it to get those wins and get out. Who said wins, man? He, he wants, wants Don Shula. He wants two seasons worth of wins. He figured he can get there, you know, and once he gets those wins, what, I think he needs like 15 or something like that. 15. He's, he's out on good. Every time you say that, you sound like Denzel Washington in uh, American Gangster. I want them cops, Ricky. I want them cops. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> I, I, I want them wins. He wants them wins. We know he wants it. And why wouldn't he? I would want it. Yeah. I mean, his legacy is, is set with Super Bowls yeah. and championships and rings. And he's got eight all-time rings as either a defensive coordinator or head coach. He doesn't need that. No. He needs them wins. He needs some wins, man. And he needs to he separate, needs that Don Shula. He needs to be able to win without Tom Brady a little bit, too, because that is putting a little stank on his legacy. You don't want that. Yeah. You don't want that at all. We'll see. Jerry yeah. Jones. It's ADJ. He's desperate, too. But uh, that's at least fun for conversation. Let's continue. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead uh, bullish or BS, though, because I saw this report from, Give I believe it it's David Morris. You're talking about the Dallas Cowboys, uh, his report is if Dan, if Dan Quinn leaves, all signs point to secondary and passing game coordinator Joe Witt Jr. becoming the leading candidate to replace Joe him. Witt Jr. Two people with knowledge of the club's approach said to David Moore. What are your thoughts about Joe Witt Jr.? I have none. Yeah. Tied you got thoughts about Joe him. Witt Jr. being the possible DC? I will say at least you get to keep the system. He'll probably keep the same yeah. system. You, you you keep consistency, and continuity. He knows the, yeah, he knows the roster and the players. It's it's definitely a name that I've I've, I've heard of the past few years as uh you know having having some significant impact on the defense. So I well, I, I wouldn't be, be disappointed with that. It would yeah. be very much the Jerry Jones way, which is we like our guys. Promote, yeah, you yeah, promote from within, and uh, you know. We'll see. You know, we'll see where the, we're at that, where the choice. That, Joe Witt Jr. or Bill Belichick? But Bill Belichick wouldn't even take it. <laughs> or Mike Vrabel. Would Mike Vrabel take it? Probably not. He's got a head coach. You know what? You should ask him, though. I, I, but he should ask him. Jerry Jones should ask both of those guys. I don't think they would take it, but I would ask him. Make him tell you no. Make him tell you no. Yeah. All from, like, a ridiculous amount of money. Hey, I'll have more on this coming up in the uh, At The Turn segment at the bottom of the next hour. But this uh, deal came down yesterday morning. We talked about it. But now there's some more meat on the bone with the PGA Tours agreement with the uh, – uh, I mean, this is a big deal for golf. Um, the PJ Tours uh, with the strategic sports group that has been invested as much as $3 billion into the PGA Tours' new commercial arm, uh, PJ Tour Enterprises. And look, this, this strategic sports group, Rod, is made up of owners, these billionaires we we're just talking about. <laughs> yeah. I mean, strategic sports group, it's a Fenway sports group. They own the Red Sox, the Pittsburgh Penguins, Liverpool FC, Arthur Blank. We just talked about him, mm. co-founder of Home Depot, um, the owner of the Milwaukee Brewers, the owner of the Celtics. Yeah. 
Um, even LeBron James is attached, wow. uh, given his ties to some of these guys. So it's one of these, and they're investing into the PGA Tour. Some would argue to keep the the uh, Saudi public fund from owning golf and owning the PGA Tour yeah, from monopoly. They're having too much control. Well, yeah. and now there's some say that uh, the, the, the they're going to still negotiate with the uh, the 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 PIF. But that uh, they may not. Uh, the, the, the PIF involvement may not be necessary uh, because this deal is so lucrative. It's $3 billion. And what it's going to do is allow the players, like Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, and these guys, to work to, and will have some equity stake in the, in the tour. Uh, so they can become owners of their own tour. How would PIF feel about this? Well, they got to negotiate a deal that everyone can agree to uh, at this point. Hmm. And, and look, I mean, because the PIF thing also doesn't, uh, you know, you got to go to an agreement, but that also comes with regulatory issues with the U.S. State Department That's true. Uh, and other issues. Yeah. You got to get through Capitol Hill on that as well. And that could be a, a – and look, I mean, Jordan Spieth was talking about it yesterday. I mean, not, 18 of the top 20 players who play on the PGA Tour in the world are playing in this event at Pebble Beach this week. And they're talking about, um, you know, this is good for golf. There's going to be – you know, we have an equity stake as players in our – our game and our in our tour so it, it benefits us to make the tour better yeah. uh and so we're, we're, we're they're making some money on it right they're it's kind of like the Lionel messi thing with the yeah. uh with mls exactly uh they're 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 stakeholders uh, in this new deal. And uh, so the SSG plan to invest $1.5 billion and upwards of $3 billion into the tour. Wow. And then the players then again will, will be able to make an equity stake uh, as they grow the game. So, you know, the, the positive step there. We'll have more on that in Bullish or BS, or excuse me, in uh, at the turn at the bottom of the next hour. But feels like a move, uh, you know, to align yourself with these billionaires we just talked about. It seems like, why didn't they do this before the PIF got involved in that's a very fair question. Right? If they're basically, they have this much money they can infuse And this was, situation. you know, before everybody, you know, the lives to, because look, the lives was started to create a, uh, this ripple effect. Yes. That's why they started it. Yeah. Because uh, the because the PJ Tour didn't want to take their money, right? Yeah. The PJ Tour didn't want any investment from the yeah. uh, PIF at the time. No, they should have been more creative in real time. That's obvious. And done, which players were saying, um, Phil Mickelson's and others, saying we need to be more aggressive. We need to take ownership of our tour. But obviously it took this to lead to this. And we'll see if, uh, you know, now Rory McIlroy is saying, you know, there should be no punishment for any live golfer that wants to come back and play on the PGA Tour. Man, that guy saying it. That it was one of the, I think he was obviously vehemently against live. Which is some skeptics or cynical people or even smart people would say that uh, Rory's been given some under the table money to hey, change his tune. Got the bag? You got a bag? Hey, they got a lot of bags. Oh, they got a lot of bags. And so, Rory, <laughs> we need you on board for this if we're doing this. And, you know, here's a little. 